I'm curious, do you have a really great BS detector? You're, maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. All of a sudden, I felt like a shell of myself. I was resentful. I was angry at everyone. My friends, my family, my kids. My depression came out in just like being triggered and being ragey. And all of a sudden, I started doing all the things that I swore to myself that I would never do, like snapping at my kids, like having this martyrdom mindset of like, all I do, you know, all I've given up for you and this like sacrificial lording over other people, what I've given for them. And just these things would come out of my mouth or even like would whisper in my heart or ways that I would act that I would be like, oh my goodness, Mm. this is exactly what I didn't want to be and what I had put so much energy into not being. And all of a sudden I am reflecting what I saw when I was growing up in some ways. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do that. Welcome back to the motherhood podcast a live workshop-style podcast that is helping thousands of moms redefine their motherhood journey. There was a point in my life when I was trying to do all the things, parent my kids, pour into my marriage, run a busy law practice, keep up my home, and what I found was that I was on the fast track to burnout until I discovered a better way. Now I help women just like you to close the gap between their vision of motherhood and what they're actually experiencing in their day-to-day lives. Together, we'll explore when and where to simplify, systemize, and surrender. I promise you, you're already doing so much better than you think. I'm your coach, Michelle Grosser, and this is Motherhood. Hey everyone, I am so excited for today's episode. We have Libby Ward on the show today better known as Diary of an Honest Mom. She is a digital creator. She's a speaker. She's a mental health advocate. She just has this really deep commitment to breaking the cycles of trauma. And every week, 
Libby's content reaches millions of women around the world. She's grown a dedicated community of over 1.3 million people, million followers on social media in just two years. She's been recognized as a mental health advocate by TikTok. She's been featured on the Tamron Hall Show, Global News, Motherly, Insider, and media outlets around the world. She is a thought leader in today's difficult and complex experiences of mental health. Libby is focused on reaching more women with her perspective, changing stories through speaking engagements and brand partnerships that make a real impact. Enjoy today's interview with Libby Ward, Diary of an Honest Mom. All right, friends, we are in for a treat today. We have Libby Ward on the podcast. Libby is a champion for all of us mamas. She is a powerhouse. She is standing up for all of the things that we are going, experiencing, I think, just day in and day out. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Libby, welcome to the Motherhood Podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here and talk about all the things and all the nuance and context of the things that we, I tend to only make 15 second videos on. So (laughs) I love podcasting. Yeah, it's good. It's great because we do. We get to have a conversation about all of the nooks and crannies that maybe we don't get into a clip on social media or something. Absolutely. So I kind of wanted to start this this whole thing around this idea. I was just kind of thinking this morning as I was driving home from dropping my kids off at school that like, I think as we, as human beings, we grow up and like leave home. And I think we have this general sense of how our childhood or our past affects affects us or affected us like we've all heard of nature nurture and all of these things and at least for me it wasn't really until I had children of my own that this whole thing was like so amplified as they were like mirroring all these different triggers that I didn't even know that I had I would just love to start the conversation just with your experience on all that your take on all of it because I know that's something that you really talk a lot about in your platforms mm-hmm. yeah when I you know, became an adult, entered the adult world. I knew that I wanted to live a different life than I had grown up with. Mm. And I made it my mission to break the cycle of poverty and to break the cycle of a lot of different things that I went through as a kid and ways that I experienced parenting as a child. And I thought that I did a really, really good job of it. And then when I felt like I had healed and forgiven and worked through a lot of my childhood trauma, I was like, let's have kids now. I'm just going to knock it out of the park. I'm going to do everything the opposite of what was done to me. I'm just going to nail it because I am calm. I don't get angry. We're not struggling for money. We're not having relationship problems. We've got careers now. Like we're good we're good. We don't yell at each other. Me and my, you know, my husband, like we're ready, like we're ready. Yeah. And then I had kids and well, you know, your triggers come up. (laughs) (laughs) Don't they ever. They come up. And all of a sudden I was here looking at my firstborn thinking I would never do X, Y, Z to you. I would never want to make you feel this way or that way the way I was felt, how could, and it was this feeling of grieving newly all the things that happened to me when I was younger that I thought I was over mm-hmm. because I never had this perspective of a mother of like, as a mother, my deep, my love for my child is so deep that I cannot fathom 
yelling at them, reacting in a certain way, you know, being manipulated, whatever it is, I couldn't fathom it. And so I had this new grief for what I went through and this like extra stamina to really break the cycle for my kids. I did okay at it actually for the first year and a half. I was relatively supported my baby you know they did she did baby things she'd struggled with sleep sometimes but overall like it went it went pretty well and I had really high standards for myself and I just met them I just was so determined and I just met them and met them and then I had my second born two years after and I absolutely crumbled Mm. so he didn't sleep for more than two hours at a time for like a year he didn't eat my mental health spiraled. I lacked, you know, even more support. I didn't really have anyone. And all of a sudden I felt like a shell of myself. I was resentful. I was angry at everyone, my friends, my family, my kids, my depression came out in just like being triggered and being ragey. And all of a sudden I started doing all the things that I swore to myself that I would never do, like snapping at my kids, like having this martyrdom mindset of like, all I do, you know, all I've given up for you and this like sacrificial lording over other people, what I've given for them. And just these things would come out of my mouth or even like would whisper in my heart or ways that I would act that I would be like, oh my goodness, Mm. this is exactly what I didn't want to be and what I had put so much energy into not being. And all of a sudden I am reflecting what I saw when I was growing up in some ways Mm -hmm. and I don't want to do that. And so then I was just met with this gosh, this is going to be so much harder than I realized because I now have to, I can't just ignore my problems and say I've forgiven the past. I have to actively reparent myself and I have to actively figure out how to be the human that I want to be while not sleeping, while not eating properly, while not having a moment to myself, while being overstimulated. I have to model those things, reparent myself and also guide my child who's not developed yet. And it was really like the reckoning of me. And I found myself just like at the bottom of the barrel and, you know, really clawed my way out of that postpartum depression. And ever since then, you know, I still fight, you know, I still live with mental health, but it's the breaking the cycles of trauma and breaking the cycles of the ways that I want to parent that are, it's just an active journey that will be constant. And it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot, especially when you thought you were going to be fine. Um, yeah, I know. I feel like motherhood is so romanticized, especially when we're young, like we have these dolls and we play with them or whatever. I can relate to your story so much. I had my first and I feel like I I, I felt similarly, like I was so ready. Like I took all the courses, I read the books, I blah, blah, blah. And then we had this baby and we brought her home and I was like, holy moly, like my, all of a sudden, like all of these things with my husband and my marriage. And I remember one night, like two in the morning, sitting in the living room, trying to feed, like nurse her and like bleeding and like just in so much pain and crying and thinking like, I am now never alone. And I somehow feel the loneliest I've ever felt. And then all of the other things you're talking about too, like the grief and the rage, and then like this reckoning with my own upbringing and all of these things coming to light um, while also having to like raise a child now, right? Like, it's not like you can just pause that and then take care of yourself. So it's so true. And I, something interesting, a lot of interesting things in there, but one thing you mentioned too, is, is that grieving process. And I think a lot of times that comes through as 
this mom rage that we talk about. And I know you have a video that went viral about mom rage. It's one of my favorite things to hear you speak on. I want to talk about it a little bit now because I think sometimes one, we, I think there's a, obviously a connotation with mom rage, right? That there's like something deficient in us or we're like these crazy monsters for feeling this irritability or this anger or this rage. And then two, like the difference between what is actually mom rage and then what is just a normal biological response to all of the stuff, the hard stuff that we're expected to do every day. Right. Right. I've actually been working through how I even want to talk about it Mm. because one of the reasons I made that video, you know, that started, is it mom rage or is it (laughs) mom doing everything for everybody all the time and is naturally frustrated by everything that she's carrying? I made that to say, why are we calling it mom rage? Why is it something that you're mom and you're angry? So now you have this thing you like, it feels like a disease. You have mom rage. And it's like, no, I don't have mom rage. (laughs) I am a human being, a human being, just like I was before I had babies. I have human emotions. I have human needs for sleep, to eat, for socialization, for connection, for so many things, (laughs) all the things that human beings need in order to thrive. I still have all of those things, but society, number one, tells me that I shouldn't have those human needs anymore and that I should just be able to exist without having those needs met. And that if I don't, if I am existing without having those needs met, that I shouldn't be allowed to talk about it or complain about it. Or I have this, you know, disease called mom rage. And it's like, maybe it's not mom rage. Maybe you're irritable because there's things to be irritable about. Maybe. Blippy, Blippy is, you know, on the television at volume 45 and the doorbell is going and your kid is asking for a snack and your husband's trying to tell you about work and you're trying to cook dinner and you're thinking about the argument you had with your mom the night before and your brain is overstimulated and you feel like crap about your body and you don't fit into any of your clothes. And so your stomach hurts because your jeans are digging into them and it's overwhelming. And so one more question makes you snap. Do you have mom rage? No. No, you're, you're dealing with a lot and your brain is dealing with a lot and your senses are taking in a lot. And so it's this idea of, okay, well, is that just overstimulation? Well, maybe in that example it is, but it's also paired with society's expectations, right? Society expects that men can have families and go to work and have a job and then go play golf or go hunting or do their thing. And that's normal and acceptable and natural because they're human and humans should get to do all those things. But as women, we're expected to still be able to thrive while not leaving the house, maybe for days on end, for not having autonomy over our body or our finances or our sensory input or how much we're needed. And so it's that constant pressure of I still have to pretend that I'm okay, Mm -hmm. even when I'm not also wanting to pretend like I'm okay so that I don't traumatize my children and this dichotomy of. I am having these feelings, but I feel like I have to pretend I don't have these feelings. But the longer I pretend not to have them, the more angry I get inside. And then I explode because I'm trying to handle it all. And then when I explode, I have a disease called mom rage. But really, is it just it's a lot. You're carrying a lot. And any human being, woman, man, child, elderly person, 
who is carrying the load that mothers in Western society are carrying naturally feels irritable and pissy because it's a lot. It's so unrealistic and it's never ending. Right. And it also feels like a lot because I think about it too. I'm like, man, I've had like a job that was really stressful at times. It paled in comparison to motherhood because I just didn't really care as much. Like this is the one thing that right. I so much about. Right. It matters so much. It's not that you can just be like, I'm done with this. I don't care anymore. It's like, I'm actively crumbling. I don't feel like I can survive, but this matters to me more than anything else matters to me. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like I've come I realized when I had my kids that I, prior to having children, didn't care enough about myself or value myself enough to do the deep work or to really acknowledge or validate or recognize how badly I was struggling with things. But having my children and loving my children that much made me want to do the work and change things enough for them because Mm -hmm. it was almost like I wasn't worth it but they're worth it because they're the most important. Mm. And then slowly but surely, I was like, wait a second. They are a child. They are my child. They are worth it. Mm. I am also somebody's child. I am also a human being. So maybe it started off with me wanting to do all this work and be different and try my best for them. Mm. But I also am realizing I want to try my best for me. Yeah. I don't want pour into my cup just so I can pour out. I want to pour into my cup because I deserve to feel like I have a whole cup. I want to pour into me so that I feel peace, so that I find joy, so that I can find fulfillment because I deserve to have all the good things that I believe in my heart that my children also deserve to have. Um, And it's really a full circle moment that is hard to live out in a society that praises mothers for being martyrs and ceasing to exist as humans as soon as they have children. Mm, Yeah. Because we are praised for sacrificing and we're praised for caring it all. And we're praised for being able to multitask and do all the things and giving up our careers and giving up our bodies and giving up all these things for our kids that it makes us feel as valiant the word like it makes it's almost like this weird thing of like you kind of feel proud of yourself for giving everything but at the same time you loathe it but you can't actually say that you loathe it and society keeps saying you're the best the more you give of yourself and you have to like mentally fight it and be like I am great for giving of myself but I'm also great for prioritizing myself and by prioritizing myself I can be even better at what I want to do Yes. And what I want to do is raise healthy, happy children who don't want to recover from their ch- childhood mm. at the same time as me not having to recover from mothering once they move out. Mm. Yes, I know. <laughs> right? Like, yes. it's not just about them. It's about both of us. It's about all of society thriving, mothers, children, fathers, so that it's not just about the kids, so that the kids don't grow up and just make it about their kids. And we just perpetuate this cycle of like mothers ceasing to exist when they have, you know, once they've had kids. Yeah, exactly. And it's so much of it, I think, is exactly that. It's society putting like a gold star on all of these ways that we're 
neglecting mm-hmm. ourselves, but then also the opposite, right? Like the minute we do decide to, you know, prioritize ourselves, like heaven forbid, all of a sudden we have a scarlet letter and it's like, oh, well, she, and whatever the criticism is from, from the peanut gallery, you know? So then that cycle is just perpetuated. It's so hard to get out of. Uh, so all these conversations are so important. Within all of that too, I want to touch a little bit about, about just moms being the default parent. And I think sometimes we, or at least I'll speak for myself. Like when I, when I feel like I'm the default parent, then all of a sudden I feel like I'm simultaneously criticizing my husband or like putting, you know what I mean? Like putting something out there that, oh, then I'm like alluding to the fact that he's not helping or he's not carrying his load or whatever. And he does so much stuff. Like that's not what I'm saying at all, but I'm still the default parent. It's just how it is. So it's heavy. And I would love, I know like you share on that and I would just love for you to share your take on it and just um, maybe some encouragement for the moms listening who are like, I feel that. Yeah. I think the lines get blurred as well. When we talk about stay-at-home moms, we talk Mm -hmm. about default parenting, we talk about the mental load and all of those experiences or roles are actually different. They're interconnected, but they're they're different. We all carry a mental load. Yeah. Mothers typically carry more of the mental load than fathers do. That is shifting. Mothers typically are the default parent. You know, you're even more the default parent if you're the stay-at-home mom, but they're not all one and the same. So I think it's really important to really differentiate mm-hmm. what is being the default parent you know, being that person that the kids are often coming to the person who is in charge of remembering the schedule, all these different things and differentiating that from being a stay at home mom. You can be a stay at home mom and be the default parent, but they're, they're, they're different things as well. And I think when we talk about, if you talk about partnerships where both partners are working outside of the home, Mm -hmm there's still a default parent. There's still the parent that the kids go to when they're sick. There's still the parent that is often the one to get up in the night. There's still the parent that's the go-to when the family's trying to organize all the holiday get-togethers and the gifts. And there is still a default parent. And it's really hard to carry that burden. And it's even harder to acknowledge it without feeling like you're bashing your partner. And I get a lot of feedback from people who think, you know, especially men who think that, you know, we don't respect what they do or appreciate what they do or just stop complaining or you just hate your husband. It's like, no, no, my, my husband is a shift worker Mm -hmm. who works a lot of night shifts. So is gone for a lot of meal times, for a lot of bedtimes, for a lot of morning times, he sleeps during the day. And he is not doing something wrong by doing that. He's providing for our family and he does a lot of things for our family. But at the end of the day, I'm still the default parent. And I'm still allowed to say that it's hard without it saying that my partner is not doing what, like, is not doing enough. Yeah, but, right. And I think... Social media is amazing for connecting us, but social media can also sometimes be very confusing where those lines get blurred. 
and where, you know, there's all these jokes about, you know, husbands who don't do anything or partners who don't carry their load, which is also a real thing that's true. And so it's like, how can we separate talking about being the default parent, how hard that is from the societal norm that men in partnerships typically aren't pulling their weight in some relationships and really like pulling those things apart. I think it's important to embrace the power of and as well. Like my partner is an amazing dad and my partner is an amazing husband and my partner provides for us and I provide for us. And it's really hard being the person to remember if we have laundry detergent or milk or Alfredo sauce for pasta tonight or the person that my child wants to snuggle when they're sick, when I'm exhausted and I haven't left the house for seven days, or I'm the one that has to take sick days off of work to be with the kids because my job allows for that and and his doesn't. And it's this power of and where it's like, I am allowed to say it's hard and acknowledge that there's good things in my life and acknowledge that my partner does certain things. It comes from this, like just valid validating our own feelings. I feel like when we invalidate others and we invalidate ourselves, we're not able to be compassionate enough to say both things can be true at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It can be true where like in my content, it can be true where I say that the load at home is shared unfairly in a lot of partnerships. And it's something that as a society we need to address And this doesn't necessarily apply to my exact partnership or that that thing is true, but that doesn't apply to every partnership or that that doesn't mean that all women hate all men and think they're lazy. Right. I think that we like as a society, we're really struggling to be able to talk about issues without just taking everything so personally or as an attack or as a defense. Like, can we just say like, this is hard or this is my experience without it meaning 45 other things? (laughs) Come on. Yeah, I get it. And you're putting yourself out there. So I'm like, I can just imagine the feedback that you get sometimes. Have you ever caught yourself wondering why you do the things you do? Like, why do you get so angry and yell at your kids when they're moving at a snail's pace in the morning? Or why is it so hard to relax when the house is a mess? If so, you've got to take my personality patterns quiz. Because here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. And over time, those defenses became a habit, and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is really actually often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There's five different personality patterns. And they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs, but rather they describe the safety strategy that you immediately go to when you start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who you are, but rather what's actually blocking who you are. And the good news is that once you take the quiz and you learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern and then live and parent as your true and authentic self. So click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two-minute personality patterns quiz. 
as you were saying that too, I, and I love all of that. And I love the power in the word and, and like to throw and to throw another and in that equation. I think I saw this thing on, I don't know, Instagram or something the other day, but it was like, it was talking about overwhelm in general. And then it was mm-hmm. talking about like, I'm overwhelmed. So do I want to do more or do I want to have less to do? And I was like, oh, snap, like that, like hit me. Cause I was like, man, I don't want to do more. I want to have less to do, but it's on me to figure out how I can like delegate these things or release them or not feel like I have to control or micromanage all of them. And I would love your take on like how that kind of fits into this default parent too. Cause I think everything that you're saying is so true. And sometimes as moms, we, or just people, we want to like take it all in and manage it all our way and then it's like yeah of course no wonder we're feeling like we do everything because we want to right uh as women it's a struggle to let go of that control especially when you're the one that knows how to do certain things you're the one that's always done it it's just easier if you do it yourself it's more important for you that something is done a certain way and your partner maybe doesn't value it as much Mm -hmm. It's so easy. And when I think about, I'm a Canadian, but most of my followers are American. And I think it's really interesting with the dynamic of maternity leave, which you might think is unrelated, but I think it's very, it's really related. And there's, I feel like there's a lot more partnerships in the United States where women carry more of it because men aren't getting paternity leave. Men aren't getting time off. There's a higher rate of women who are stay at home moms. Mm. And so just by nature of the fact that you are literally the one at home more, you are literally the one doing more for your children, organizing things more, you get better at it. The more you do the job, the better you get at doing it. Mm -hmm. And so then we have this false idea that women are just better at things when really it's like, well, no, she's had to get better. I've learned how to hold the baby to make the baby not cry because I've had to do this for seven days in a row or seven years in a row (laughs) work. And that doesn't mean you're bad for going to work. That means you haven't had the practice. And so when this baby cries, I know that I can either listen to the baby cry while you try and figure it out, which you actually do need to figure it out. Or I know that I can do it quicker and then I can be more productive and get to everything else on my list. And so it's easier just to keep doing it ourselves. And it's really hard to let go of things when you've always been the one to do it, when it's more important to you, when you've gotten better at it, when you're naturally better at it. So my advice typically is to communicate with your partner about what's valuable to both of you. I've had so many different points in our, in my life and in my parenthood where I've just done things because I felt like they needed to be done. It's like every, you know, we're coming up in the holiday season. So I'll use that example. Like every Christmas, we always make a gingerbread house. And so that one thing, there's, you know, a thousand things, but that one thing is like, don't forget about the gingerbread house. Don't forget to pick up the stuff. What night are we going to do it? How are we going to fit it in? Blah, 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 the gingerbread house, blah, 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 blah. And in my mind, I'm like, we got to do it. And we got to do it this way. And it wasn't until I actually took the time to sit down and have a conversation with my partner or with myself of like, why am I even doing it? Mm. Like I'm doing it because it's a valuable tradition that I have fond memories of. And it's important for all these reasons. And is it worth the stress and the capacity that it takes away from me? Mm. Or am I just doing it because I thought I was supposed to, or the Christmas cards, am I making them and writing in them and mailing them on a certain day? Because that's really important to our family or because I feel like I should, 
Yes. And so it's a combination of narrowing down what you actually want to do in your life as a family, you know, is your aesthetically pleasing house as important to you as you want, like as you're making it out to be, or can you let go of that is it's like, what can you actually let go of before you start delegating, before you start talking about how can we share the things that are going on? What can you take off my plate? We have to realize like what should stay on the plate anyway, because sometimes we're delegating things that actually don't even matter. Sometimes we're carrying the mental load for things that no longer serve our family values or are important to us anymore, but we just kept doing them because we felt like we should, or because we never thought that maybe we didn't have to. So I, yeah, I just, I've realized in my life that there's so many things that have added to my plate that have made me a basket of a human being that actually didn't need to be there. Mm. And, and then when you talk to your partner about what's important or what's valuable to you, you know, they might say, Oh, you know, the way this is done just really isn't important to me. Like that's not the way the clothes are folded or blah, blah, blah. That's not important to me. It then becomes a conversation of saying, well, this is why it's important to me and you love me. Mm-hmm. And because you love me, can you try and put more energy into this thing? Not because I'm trying to convince you that that thing matters as much as I think it matters, but because I matter mm-hmm. and because you love me and you want me to be happy. And it's coming to this compromise of rather than just berating our partners for doing things wrong. And can you just, you know, nagging them or saying, please do this or do it this way. Mm-hmm. It's having the upfront conversation of, is this something that is important to either of us in the first place? If we decide that it is something we want to keep, let's agree on why it's important. And if we can't, let's agree that we're going to keep doing it because one of us, you know, loves the other one. And then you can agree on it because there's nothing more exhausting than trying to convince someone to do something that they actually don't care that much about. <laughs> sure. It's like I do that with my kids so often. I don't need to do it also with my partner. Right. I even think about like the way I used to be so obsessed about dressing my kids. And <laughs> and I realized it came from a deep inner child wound of like, I grew up in poverty. I grew up with my clothes not fitting me. I grew up without anyone taking care of me or telling me to brush my hair or brush my teeth or look after myself. And I stood out and I got bullied. And I'm like, I'm not going to be that parent. Mm -hmm. And so I almost became obsessive of like, we're not leaving the house unless the kids look a certain way Mm -hmm. and are dressed a certain way. And it became a control thing where my husband then didn't want to dress the kids because I would then go and redo it Mm -hmm. or he would want to dress them, but then he'd come and ask me every time, like, is this okay? Is that okay? Or send the kids to me be like, oh, go check with mommy. And then I would get so mad that I'm like, why can't you just do this? Like, why do I have to get the clothes out? Why do I have to choose it? And I realized I created this. Hmm. I created this whole problem because I have a control issue that comes from my inner child wound. (laughs) Beautiful awareness. Yeah. And I was like, oh gosh, I am making this into a thing. And so I really had to have like almost a sit down with myself and be like, is it as important as we think it is? Because sometimes this is important. Like say, you know, there's certain other things that I'm like, no, this is something we're sticking to. And other times I'm like, with the clothing, I'm like, you know what? The only reason I'm obsessed about this is because of my own trauma, Mm. not because I am a better mom or they're going to turn out to be better kids 
if everything matches and they don't have an ounce of ketchup on their face, like they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine if they don't match and they're going to be fine if their hair is messy. Like it's fine. They're going to be fine. It's true. I feel you. My second daughter only lives in princess dresses or Paw Patrol. I'll like head to toe Paw Patrol. And it's something yeah. I've had to like really just release. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like when it's like every taking everything in me, I'm like, whoa, like there is something in there that's being poked by this right now. I got to look at yes. this. Oh man. Cool. I have so enjoyed this before I let you go. We were talking a little bit before we hit record, but you have this really cool journal that has been released. I would love for you to share about it, but before you kind of jump into what's in it, can you tell everyone kind of how it came to be? Because I just love this story that it was like this idea that you had. And then all of a sudden people were finding such value in it that it became a book that moms can buy on Amazon or anyone can buy on Amazon now. Right. I wasn't planning on writing a journal. There's no point in my life when I was like, I'm going to write a guided journal, not my jam at all. But as I create content on social media, I have a lot of people asking me the same questions over and over again, specifically around how do you give yourself grace? Like I hear you self say, I hear you saying, give yourself grace, but I don't know how to get there. How do you develop self-compassion? How do you not feel guilty about leaving your kids at home with dad and going out on your own? Like, how do you do that? And I was just answering the same questions. And I realized I had a thought process and I had a way of getting to a point where I don't feel guilt as much and where I do give myself grace when I make mistakes and all of these different things that I've realized that have helped me in my motherhood journey. And so I thought, Oh, I'll just, I'll just make a little like printable sheet to help people like think, think through their day and, you know, prioritize their time and not feel guilty for not being perfect. And I'll just, it'll, it'll be like a little check sheet. They can fill some things in. We'll, we'll see. So I played around on Canva, you know, for a couple of days and made it look pretty. And then I just, in my Instagram stories one day was like, Hey, I made this thing. I don't know if it's any good, but it's kind of the thought process I go through and it's kind of helped me. I don't know if it would help you if you want, like you can download it. And, you know, a month later, my email list had grown from, 3000 to like 12,000 and people downloading it and saying like, Oh, this is the first time I've been able to go to bed without feeling guilty. This is the first time I've been able to be okay with resting and not always being productive or just different things that people have been slowly making mind shift. Um, like small mindset shifts. I said mind shifts, didn't I? (laughs) Small mindset shifts. Um, every day, because I made it so that moms could actually do it. It's like five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. There's really not a lot of area to write. It's like check boxes. And it's just a way to get really aware of your circumstances and aware of what's happening both in your body and like in your surroundings and in your life and season of motherhood in general, so that you can focus on what matters to you and leave the rest and give yourself grace when you're maybe not doing the things you want to do. I don't know. I really didn't think it was going to become a thing, but so many people were helped by it that they were like, it would be really nice if you'd make this into a real journal. And I thought, I don't know how to do that. And then someone told me, oh, you can go on Amazon and they'll publish it for you. So I was like, sure, we'll do that. And so it just started as like this little printable that I hoped might help a couple people. And lots of people asked me to make it into a real thing. And so I did. And it's really sweet because 
now that it's in like a book format, you can follow along in your journey and see those small mindset shifts that you're making each day. So hopefully by the end of the eight weeks, you really can develop a capacity for self-compassion, giving yourself grace and knowing it's okay not to be perfect and realize that some days it's okay to prioritize rest and other days it's okay to prioritize productivity and not play with your kids. And other days it's okay to just play and have fun and leave everything else. And that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be that you juggle everything all the time. And it's so, it's just, you're doing better than you think you are. Like that's, I originally called it the good mom project actually, because I thought I want to help moms know that they're doing good. You know, so much we berate ourselves and we think we're bad moms for, you know, whatever reason. And I really wanted moms to realize like you're doing better than you realize, especially considering your circumstances and everything you're doing. Uh, And then I changed it to the Honest Mom Journal because, well, number one, I'm the Honest Mom. And number two, I realized it was getting honest with myself Um, and becoming self-aware, aware of my triggers, aware of my trauma, aware of my mental health, aware of the fact that I haven't slept or that I haven't seen my partner in five days and I'm doing all the parenting. Just literally aware of everything on the outside and the inside that helped me to not only be like, okay, we're lowering all the expectations today. But then also when I don't do things perfectly to be like, Hey, you know what? Because you're aware of all this crap you're dealing with, you need to like give yourself grace for not being able to do it all. Cause you literally can't, you can't give yourself grace for not being able to do it all. If you can't acknowledge the hard things that you're facing. So it's, it's a mixture of getting real about the hard stuff, but also getting real about the supports we have and about the things we get to be grateful for and really balancing the validation of the hard and the good to get through each day. Yeah. I love it. It takes away like the all or nothing thinking that I think so many times we like put ourselves in ourselves. Um, So I also want you to touch on, it's like three P's or four, three P's, right. That you have that women can like choose. Tell us about it. So it's at the beginning of the day, after you've done your affirmation and your awareness of a reality that could make today easier and a reality that could make today harder. um, You're going to get your priorities straight. So it says you can't be everything all day, every day today. What are you going to prioritize? Choose one. So peaceful, present or productive. Yes. Tell people you can't do all three. All three is a dumpster fire. A (laughs) hundred percent. There's no chance that you can be productive. So you can feel peaceful and restful and be present with your kids, your family, yourself. You can't, you literally can't do it. That's like the recipe for mom rage, right? Right. Right. (laughs) for mom rage, all the pressure. So don't try to do them all simultaneously. It's, it's dumb. Like it's just dumb and it's a recipe for a disaster. So I tell, I tell myself and I tell the moms who talk to me, like, choose one. If, if today If you're aware of yourself and you realize, okay, a reality that could make today harder, my kid is sick, I'm sick, I have no support, X, Y, Z, you're going to go, oh, okay, I was going to prioritize productivity, but that's dumb and not likely to make sense. So I'm going to prioritize being peaceful Mm -hmm. and rest. And when you do that, 
then you don't feel guilty about not being productive or not being present because that's the thing you chose for the day. And it doesn't mean you're not going to do the other things at all. It doesn't mean that you're not going to pay attention to your kid and be present or you're not going to cook them food. It just means that throughout the day, when you're faced with different choices, you can say, okay, I chose peaceful today based on my circumstances. So for that reason, when my other child comes home from school and wants to play a game, I'm going to feel confident saying, no, that's not something I can do right now mm-hmm. because I know I don't have the capacity to do it mm-hmm. without lacking peace. Like I know that if I go play that game and I'm about to snap, I will end up snapping because it's too much today and I prioritized peace. So I'm not going to do it. And it's like this idea of you can prioritize a different one each day and it all balances out. And then you don't have to feel guilty about the other ones because you prioritized a different one on each day. And so it really helps with guilt. It helps with decision-making. It helps with feeling like you don't have to do all of the things. And I say to people too, like, if you have a day where you wake up and you're like, I am feeling fantastic. I have energy. I have capacity. I have support. My kids are healthy. I think I can be present and productive today. I can clean the fridge and I can bake cookies with the kids and laugh at their jokes and be in the moment with them and not be thinking of my to-do list then that's amazing. Maybe do maybe say, I'm going to prioritize both simultaneously, but only if you're feeling fancy. That's what I say. If you're feeling fancy, maybe try two. Don't try three. Just focus on one. And it helps with guilt. It helps prioritize your energy and help you make those tiny, minute decisions throughout the day without the guilt and the pressure of, oh, well, I should be doing this too. Yeah, they're all important, right? So it's just choosing your intention based on your realistic circumstances for the day. It's brilliant. I love it. So cool. One last thing about the journal too. I heard you speak about the sections where you're like, just organizing, I think what you have to get done in the day, like things you have to need to do, or you tell us. Okay. So right after that, the peaceful, present, productive, there's get going. So it's a realistic list. It include it can include anything from appointments to surviving the day. So rather than starting your day with a massive list of 30 things you want to get done, crossing off three of them, and at the end of the day being like, I'm a failure and not <laughs> acknowledging that you actually did do things. It's a short list of three must-dos, which can be anything from go to an appointment to keep the children alive, whatever it is based on your capacity. Like you have to get these things done there. It's like a non-negotiable. And honestly, I think one of them should be something for you. Um, You know, nice to do's are things that you want to do. So you want to clean out the fridge. Mm -hmm. You want to get the laundry folded. You don't have to do it, but you want to do it. Mm -hmm. And then get to do's, which is my favorite. And I made it short because I'm not all about just like a giant gratitude journal of toxic positivity and, oh, I'm so lucky to have my children. And I'm so lucky to have all of these things that I'm not going to acknowledge that this big hard thing is happening. But I do think it's important to to acknowledge it. So it's a small space to write down what you get to do. I get to snuggle my babies. I get to drive them to school because I have a car I get to do. So it's writing down, just acknowledging, oh, I get to see my mom today. I things that you're just grateful that you get to do, which also can be a little reminder when you're going through the hard things. Mm -hmm. And so I was really intentional about putting this list after the getting aware and the priorities, because sometimes the must do's are going to be really specific things that you absolutely have to do. 
Um, and sometimes they're going to be really basic things that if you're in a dark hole of postpartum depression and you haven't slept for more than three hours in six months, sometimes your must do's are eat breakfast, shower. <laughs> sometimes your must do's are talk to someone on the phone. Yeah. You know, sometimes your must do's are change the baby's diaper, yep. you know, and you get to be proud of yourself for having a shower and keeping your child clean and feeding them. And you get to give yourself 40,000 gold stars. I'm like, I feel like crying because I just remember like in those postpartum moments with multiple kids when I was just like so desperate for a break and those little moments of like, I feel like I've run a marathon, but all I did was get from morning until night yeah. or all I did was get from night until morning because sometimes those yeah. are the hardest ones. Yeah. And so you get to give yourself a thousand gold stars for that. And, you know, I'm in a season now where I have a six and an eight year old and I'm running a business and my life is completely different. And so my must do's look different than yours, but that doesn't make them any more valid. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't make me any better of a mom or a person. It just means that I'm in a different season and I have different circumstances. Yeah, I'm aware of. And so I get to be proud of myself for doing different things that you get to be proud of yourself for doing. I love it. I love all of it. I'm buying one for every woman on my Christmas list because what a gift, right? It's like, man, what a beautiful gift to have that moment to ourselves and the awareness and the recognition and leading to all of this self-compassion. Like it's, it's, it's priceless, really. It's beautiful. So thank you for creating it. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you for stepping out into so much of the unknown. Just, I think so many women just feel like you're that best friend who's just real that they can relate to and will just make them feel like they're not the only crazy ones going through all of this stuff. So I'm so grateful for you and the work that you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So we know you're diary of an honest mom, but for the people listening who maybe aren't on social or anything else, where can people find you, connect with you, get more, get more Libby? Yeah, you can find me obviously on social media, TikTok and Instagram, Diary of an Honest Mom. I have a website, diaryofanhonestmom.com, where I write blogs on all kinds of different things. And you can find my journal. I mean, that's pretty much where I'm at right now. I love that. That's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you, Libby. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you love mommy's podcast, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review, they really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up and I'm working on bringing you all of this content... Your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, DM me on Instagram at themotherhood.podcast. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Motherhood Podcast. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources, information on how to join and participate in the Motherhood Village, and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.